a clear plastic packet of bits, a roll of double-sided tape, and a very shiny adjustable spanner. Then took a cloth from a neatly folded pile. The boiler gave a sudden rumble as I placed the spanner and the cloth on the floor in front of it, then resumed its soft murmur. I put the roll of tape and the hand drill on the top step beneath the entrance from the house and extracted the swans, their ignition strips and the alarm clock from my bomber jacket. I lined them all up and screwed a drill bit the same diameter as a matchstick into the chuck. I slowed my breathing and opened my mouth to quieten the roar of the blood flow in my ears, then turned the door handle and pulled it back far enough to be able to listen for movement above me. Nothing. I wasn't expecting any, but these routines always made me feel a bit more secure. Now I could just get on with the job. The tape rasped as I peeled two or three inches off the roll and fastened both the ignition strips alongside each other on the bottom of the door. Leaving it ajar, I drilled five neat holes in the sill, as tight as possible to the point at which the leading edge of the strips would cross the threshold. I pushed it closed and tapped a swan into each hole until only its little red head was visible, then checked that we'd be guaranteed a strike. I blew the coil of wood off the bit, slid it into its packet, and put it and the roll of tape back in the toolbox before returning to the boiler. Like pretty much everything else in the place, this bit of kit belonged on planet Zanussi. Its gleaming aluminium casing was a world away from the rusty enamel monster I'd grown up with on our estate in Bermondsey, but it needed to be fed in much the same way. I spent a minute or two following the pattern of the pipework leading in and out of it, then took a couple of paces back, slowed my breathing, opened my mouth and listened some more. Still no noise from the rooms overhead. I moved back to my entry window and went through the same routine. Again, nothing. No owl, no New York fire truck siren. Then, in the distance, a sound like a squeaky wheel. I slowed my breathing further. After a moment, I heard a soft, sad echo. So, not a wheel. The osprey was calling to its mate. I went back to the boiler and wrapped the cloth around a pressure joint by a right-angle bend. If anybody was in the mood to examine it closely enough... I wanted this thing to look like it had sprung a slow leak, and that meant leaving no scratch marks on the brass. I tightened the jaws of the spanner over the freshly wrapped nut, gripped the moulded, rubber-sheathed handle, and applied some gentle pressure. It was rock solid. I tried again with a bit more muscle. Same result. The third time, it gave. I loosened the spanner, removed the cloth, crouched down and leaned my ear right up close to the joint. There was a whisper of gas, like air leaving a radiator valve if you could be bothered to do the rounds with your little brass key when the cold weather arrived. The digital time display read 1957. There was probably a scientific formula for this, but I had no idea what it was. I just wanted Kure's basement to fill with enough gas to make a nice big bang the moment he opened that door. Natural gas was lighter than air, and dissipated relatively easily. The house had been built in the thirties, so it wouldn't take long for it to find its way up between the floorboards. The trick was to make sure the mixture was right. More than five percent by volume, but less than fifteen, or it wouldn't ignite. I gave the nut an extra twist for luck, 
replaced the spanner and the cloths where I'd found them and shut the cupboard. I wound the alarm clock, primed it to go off in a couple of hours, and left it on the slab of highly polished granite nearest to the doorway. It didn't exactly go with the Georg Jensen gear in the rest of the house, but if Kure hadn't already lit himself a cigar upstairs, or come down here to pop his boxes into the washing machine, or do a session on the treadmill, it would ring loudly enough for him to throw open the door to see what was going on. At that point, the strikers would brush the match heads, and we'd have ourselves a serious bonfire. If all else failed, I'd creep back onto the sun deck, light his Gucci hurricane lantern, lob it through the glass into his living room, then do a runner. As I hauled myself out of the basement window and lowered it back into place, the silence of the pine forest was suddenly broken, and the cries I heard now had nothing to do with the ospreys.